Can we all just get along? Those of you who are over 40 years old probably remember those famous words spoken by Rodney King in 1992, three days after the riots started in Los Angeles that caused over a billion dollars worth of damage and over 50 people lost their lives. All a result of an acquittal of four police officers in the beating of Rodney King. And three days after these riots, Rodney got in front of a microphone, in front of cameras, and, and was weeping and saying, can we just all get along and stop the violence and come together and figure this out? Put aside our differences and unite. 27 years later, maybe you still ask yourself that same question once in a while. Can we all just get along? There is so much in our world that divides us, isn't there? Politics, race, culture, economic levels, just to name a few. So many things that divide us. And, and, and don't most of us want to get along? Most of us want to have unity, right? And you might have a couple Facebook friends, you look at their feeds and think, this person's just trying to be divisive. They're just trying to cause some trouble. But, but for the most part, right, we want to get along. We want there to be love and peace and unity among us. And so maybe when you hear words from our gospel lesson from Jesus, they bother you just a little bit. What's all this talk about division and destruction and fire and distress? I mean, don't we get enough of that in the news and on social media and maybe in a, even in our own families? Now we've got to come Sunday morning and hear about the same thing. I thought Christianity was a religion of peace and love and unity. What, what's going on here, Jesus? Well, as we take a look, a closer look at this gospel lesson today, we're going to see the backwards way, at least backwards to us, the backwards way that Jesus brings us blessings. And we're going to see that, that it has to be this way, and, and we're going to thank God that it is this way. But this morning we're going to see two things, that Jesus brings renewal through destruction, and he brings peace through division. First, Jesus brings renewal through destruction. This is how our gospel lesson starts out. It's printed out there in the service folder if you'd like to follow along. Verse 49, he says, Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. All right, what, what is Jesus talking about right off the bat here? What is, what is this fire Jesus is talking about? Well, it, it could be a number of different things. You could, you could make a, a, a couple of arguments for, for different things. Is this the fire of Pentecost that, that Jesus would bring, you know, those little tongues of fire that would rest on the disciples' heads and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and the Christian church began from there? Right? John the Baptist had said earlier that I come baptizing with water, but one more powerful than I, Jesus, would come and he would baptize with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And John was obviously talking about Pentecost. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Or is Jesus talking about Judgment Day, the fire that he will bring on that day? Because he's going to come to judge the living and the dead. And that illustration of fire is often used when talking about that last day, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Or is this fire Jesus is talking about, the, the suffering that we endure because we're Christians? 
Peter writes in his first letter that our sufferings are a fiery ordeal. I, I think you could make a good case probably for any of these, but the simplest explanation, the simplest way to understand this is to look at the context. What is Jesus talking about here? And what does Jesus say next? He says this, right after I've come to bring fire to the earth, he says, but I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. So Jesus is talking about fire he wants to be kindled, and a baptism he has to undergo, and he will be under constraint. He will be distressed until it happens. Jesus is struggling here, and he's, he's, he's got this internal struggle, and he's letting us in on it. Right? There's something in his life that's coming that he wants to come, but it's not here yet. And he's going to be distressed until it is. He has fire in this baptism. And maybe you know what Jesus feels like here, right? Something that, that, that's coming in your life that you just, you just want it to be over. You want it to come. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a hard conversation you have to have with somebody, or, or maybe it's a, a surgery you're waiting on, or maybe it's awaiting a test results from your doctor, and, and you're filled with fear and distress, and, and, and you don't know what to do. You're under constraint until that time comes. You just want it to be over. That's what Jesus is struggling with here, this inner turmoil of what's coming. I like to grill, uh, and I'm, uh, I, I'll, no offense to you gas grillers out there, but that's not real grilling, right? <laughs> a Weber with charcoal, that's real grilling, right? I mean, what's the whole point if you're not going to use charcoal, right? But, but charcoal grilling takes a little more work, right? It, it takes time for those coals to get hot enough where you can actually cook some food on it, right? You've got to care for it and, and, and to watch it, and, and, and you know, a, a good fire, a good heat is going to take about a half an hour in a charcoal grill, give or take, right? Unless you're my Uncle Elroy, uh, who, who taught me that if you take your leaf blower and, and blow on those coals, it'll get hot in about five minutes, right? Jesus didn't have a leaf blower to make that fire kindle and come faster. He had to wait for it to come. And he says, I am distressed. I'm under turmoil. I'm under constraint until it comes. So what is this fire? What is this baptism that he has to undergo, that he is under constraint until it happens? He's looking forward. Not to his baptism by John in the Jordan River. That already happened long before this. But a baptism of suffering, a baptism into death, the fire that he would experience on Good Friday. And he's under constraint for two reasons. Number one, obviously, the weight of what is going to happen on that day is enormous. And just the thought of that suffering just is, is already crushing him now. But also, secondly, he knows what the result of that fire coming and that baptism he has to undergo will result in. And he wants those results to come. And it did. Eventually, that fire did come, and it was kindled. Even though that night before, he pleaded with his Father in heaven, in that garden of Gethsemane, pleading so desperately that blood 
was dripping from his forehead like sweat. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup be taken from me. This cup of suffering that I know is coming. If there's another way, please let it be, Father. But not my will, but yours be done. And the Father's answer in so many words was, no. I can't take this cup from you. There is no other way. This is the way it has to be. You must endure this fire. You must undergo this baptism of suffering and death. And that fire was kindled. As that very night, maybe just moments after his praying, they came and arrested him. And they put him on trial for trumped up charges. And that fire was stoked just a little bit more as he was mocked and spit on and beaten into within an inch of his life. And that fire was kindled as they made him carry his own cross up a hill and then nailed him to it. And that fire blazed for six hours on that hill as the father's white, hot, Anger was poured out on his son as the father turned his back on his son as he was covered in our sin and our shame. Jesus experienced the fires of hell on that cross for us. He underwent this baptism of suffering and death for you and for me. We know that fire destroys, right? We know that fire is dangerous. We know that it takes belongings, property, home, even life. In the United States alone, every year 3,000 people die from fires. We know it's danger. We know how it can destroy. That's why we put the matches and the lighters up where the kids can't reach them, right? It's why we get really nervous when the toddler is bumbling around by the campfire. It's why we make sure the oven is turned off before we leave the house. Because we know the power of fire. We know how it can destroy. And that's what it did to Jesus on that cross. The fire of God's righteous anger, the fire of hell, made him lose his life. But we also know that fire has good qualities to it too, don't we? Because not only does fire destroy, but it illuminates. And it regenerates and it, and it renews. Forestry experts say that in order for a forest to really thrive, about every 50 to 100 years, it should get burned. It's really then that forests grow really strong. Some of the most beautiful forests that we have in our country were at one time leveled by fire. Because even while that fire is, is roaring, it's bursting open the, seed, the pods and the cones and the seeds are coming out and falling to the ground. And within weeks of that fire being done, there will be brand new growth coming out of those ashes to produce a beautiful forest. Fire not only destroys, but it renews and it regenerates and it causes growth. And so the fire that came to Jesus that day too. 
That fire that he endured that, that destroyed him, that caused him so much pain and suffering, also brings new life. Because while he was laid in the ashes, while he died and was buried in that tomb, he rose victoriously to new life, and that promise that through his death, we have new life too. That we are renewed, that we are made into something beautiful, that we too have new purpose and new hope and new joy and new life. Right? That's the backwards way, at least in our minds, the backwards way that Jesus brings blessing. He brings comfort through suffering, joy through pain, life through death, renewal through destruction. This is the way our God works. This is what God has done for us through our Savior Jesus as he faced those fires for us. And he took our punishment so that we can be raised to new life. Jesus underwent this baptism of suffering and death by fire so that you can undergo a baptism by water. To be given the blessings of forgiveness and hope and new life and renewal. That you have new life in Christ right now. It's yours. Through destruction, God brings you new life. Through what he endured, you have every blessing in Christ. And I wish I could end my sermon right here, because that's a beautiful thought, isn't it? That God did this for us through Christ. That he takes us from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, from misery and, to joy, Right? And he makes us into something new for himself, right? Just to, to know this truth of the gospel. Right? And we want to go and live in that newness of life. But the fact is that Satan wants to enslave you again to fear. That there are people in this world that, that want to drag you away from that newness of life. And that's why Jesus goes on. And he says another, what seems like a backward, things, backward thing to us. But yet we see that Jesus also brings us peace through division. This is what he says next. He says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Yes, friends, this is the same Jesus of whom Isaiah foretold would be the Prince of Peace. This is the same Jesus of whom the angels sang the night of his birth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is the same Jesus who on that Monday, Thursday evening told his disciples, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. So how does that fit with Jesus saying, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring division. And then did you notice who it is that he brings division among? Not people who hate you. Not people who are just out to get you, but your own family members. And listen to how he talks about this division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Complete division. Even among families. 
why would Jesus want to divide families? Well, the fact is he doesn't. But he knows that it's inevitable. Remember, Jesus is not saying this with a smile on his face. Put it in the context. He's just been talking about the, the, the distress that he's feeling over the fire that he's going to have to undergo. The baptism that he's have, going to have to go through. The suffering and death that is facing him, right? And he just continues with his distress. And he says, there's going to be division. There's not going to be peace. Because of what I am going to do. What he's saying to us, dear friends is that when you know who you are in Christ, when you know you've been taken from death to life, right? when you know the destruction you deserve, but yet Jesus took that for you, and you now walk in the newness of life, and you are a new creation in Christ, with a hope and a future, a future in heaven, when you know that, there's going to be division in your life. Because there will be people who don't get that. Or don't care who you now are. And there won't be peace. Sometimes even among the people that are nearest and dearest to you. There will be division. When people don't understand how you are now something new. Right? There, there cannot be peace in a relationship when you look at life differently. When you know the new purpose that you have in this life. Right? When you know the joy is found in Jesus, not in the things of this world. Right? When, when other people around you are worried and, and fear the things of this life, but yet you're content. Because you know your treasure is Christ and your home is in heaven. That's going to cause some division. You're not going to agree with everybody. Right? There's not going to be peace when you see all the blessings that you are given in this life, right? all of the material blessings you've been given, that they've been given to you not for you, not for your good alone, but for the good of others. That God has given you these blessings to serve and to love. right? And when the world and people around you see the things of this life differently, there's going to be disagreement. There's going to be discord. There might be division. There's not going to be peace when, when, when you are living free of guilt. Because you know you're forgiven. Right? When, when someone in your life wants you to feel bad about something you've done, when they want you to continue to feel shame and regret and guilt for what you've done, and you're saying, I don't, I don't have any guilt. Jesus took my guilt away. There's going to be division. There's going to be discord. There's going to be disagreements in relationships. You see how this works? As you walk in the newness of your life in Christ, right? You've been renewed. You've made something new. Not everybody cares. Not everybody gets it. And it's going to cause some division. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's just giving it to us straight. This is how your life's going to be as a new creation in Christ. There will be divisions. There won't always be peace. Even among people that are closest to you. But it's through this peace 
It's through this division that we have peace. And, and Jesus said, he is the one who said that peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. But he says something very important right after that. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. And what Jesus is saying there is, the world tries to give you peace, but it's really not peace. Only I can give you true peace. Only I can give you inner, true, lasting peace. Only I can give you eternal peace. Because he was divided from his heavenly father for you. At that cross, there was that division. As he took our sin. So that we could have peace. The prophet Isaiah says that it was through the punishment that was put on him that we now have peace. We have peace with God. A peace that surpasses all understanding. A, a peace that we do not earn, that we do not deserve, that we cannot just find some secret to, but a peace that comes from God to us. That's what the angels sang that night of his birth. They didn't sing about peace among men. They sang of peace to men, from God to humans. In the form of this man, Jesus, our Savior, our substitute. Right? It's in this division. When we separate ourselves from sin and everything else that would draw us away from our joy in Jesus, from our hope of eternal life, there we find and hold on to true peace. The peace that God has made with us. The peace that is ours now and forever. A peace that no matter what your life might be like, no matter how much your relationships might be in turmoil, no matter how bad things in this world might get, that I have a peace that God gives in grace. That I may not know, I may not totally understand, but it guards my heart and mind when those fears come. He gives us peace through division. That division at the cross of the Son and the Father, the division from us and the things of this life that would take us away from Christ. You see, God works in backwards ways, doesn't he? This is, this is not the way we would make things work, right? Renewal through destruction, peace through division. But thank God it's that way. Thank God he doesn't work in the way that we operate, in the way we think. Because he doesn't work based on merit or on revenge or ulterior motives. He, he doesn't, God doesn't work and give us blessings based on what we do, but on what Christ has done. That's grace. That God brings life through death. Renewal through destruction. Peace through division. Joy through suffering. Healing through pain. Thank God this is the way he works. See his mercy to you, sinner. See his grace to you, who also at the same time is a saint in God's eyes. Cling to those blessings that only Christ can give to you. Cling to that message of the gospel that alone gives freedom and life and new purpose and new joy and the promise of a life to come. It's all yours in Jesus. Amen.